Greetings to all my tech heads out there in the Kev Techify Nation. And if you're new here, welcome. In this episode, we're going to look at mitigating common network attacks. We'll be discussing defending the network, mitigating malware, mitigating worms, mitigating reconnaissance attacks, mitigating access attacks, and finally, mitigating denial of service attacks. This episode is part of my series on network security. I'm Kevin here at Kev Techify. Let's get this adventure started. Constant vigilance and ongoing education are required to defend your network, your organization, your data against attack. Here are some best practices for securing your network. First one here is develop a written security policy for your company. If your company doesn't have a written security policy, this is something you need to make a priority. Now, a little bonus feature here interview question when you when the people that are interviewing you when they ask do you have any questions for us here is a great question to ask them tell me about your network security policy tell me about your corporate security policy that should start some conversations there now the next thing you can do here best practice here is educate employees about the risks of social engineering now this typically looks at validating identities by a phone email or in person but the big thing here is educate your employees they need to understand these threats exist how they're how they're how they work that it's not okay to give out certain information usernames passwords over the phone over email then the next thing we do is control physical access to the systems don't have your data center closet be in the back of the janitor's closet with the door always open. It should be in a locked room. Now, depending upon what your company does, what data you are storing, maybe just a locked room isn't enough. Maybe you need to have a security guard and 24-7 monitoring. It, it depends upon your situation. Next one, use strong passwords and change them often. Strong passwords at least 12 characters, make them complex, uppercase, lowercase, number, symbol, and then change them often. Now, how often is often? Depending upon, once again, depending upon the security of your data. But if you change your passwords too often, your employees are gonna to resort to just writing down passwords. And so you have to figure out where is that balance? Where's the balance of changing your passwords often, but not too much? Then, the next thing you should do is encrypt and password protect sensitive data. All your sensitive data, you should have some sort of encryption on. Then security hardware and software. This includes firewalls, intrusion prevention systems, VPNs, antivirus software, and even content filtering making sure the information coming in going out of your network is correct. You don't want any, any executables coming into your network. So let's filter that out. The next best practice is to have a backup. Not only having a backup, but testing that backup to make sure it works. I've heard of people, I've heard of companies that thought they were backing up data, but until they needed it, 
they didn't realize their backup process is working. So make sure you test your backups. The next best practice is shut down unnecessary services and ports and even devices. If you're not using those services, if you're not using those ports, those layer four logical ports, like port 80 is an HTTP port, but other ones, if you're not using them, shut them down. Next thing here is keep patches up to date. Companies put out patches for a reason. Typically they fill in a security vulnerability. So you wanna make sure you apply them and install them. But little another nugget of bonus here, don't be the first one to install it. Give it at least a day or two before you install it to make sure that there's no, th there no problems with those patches. Windows put out an update once where if you installed it right away within like six hours of release, it actually broke your systems. So you had to go back to backup tapes, restore, and then you had to wait for them to up, put out a new update that didn't break systems. And then finally, perform your security audits and test your network. Do a security audit, hire a, an outside consultant, get a pen tester, get a white hat ethical hacker in, in and try to see, do I have any holes in my network that need to get plugged? If you like this episode on mitigating common network attacks and you get value out of it, and depending upon the platform you're using, please click the like button, give a five-star rating, leave a comment. Doing this supports the channel, which in turn helps me bring you more great content. Click that notification bell to turn on notifications to be alerted every time I release a new episode. And there are several new episodes headed your way. You can also visit my website at kevtechify.com for all my details and how to get these episodes in video and podcast form. Malware, including viruses, worms, and Trojans, they can cause serious problems on your network and your end devices. Network administrators here, they have several means of mitigating these attacks. Antivirus is probably the first one you need to make sure you're doing. This helps prevent hosts from getting infected and spreading that malicious code. Several companies that create antivirus software, and some of the main ones here are Symantec, McAfee, Trend Micro, and Microsoft. They have anti-products that have update automation. So new virus definitions and software updates can be downloaded automatically or on demand. This practice is the most critical requirement for keeping your network free of viruses and should be formalized in your network security policy. These products are installed on computers and servers to detect and eliminate the viruses. Now, please pay attention. However, they do not prevent viruses from entering your network. Another way to mitigate malware threat is to, pre to prevent that, those malware files from entering your network at all. Security devices at the network perimeter can identify known malware files based on their indicators of compromise. The files can be removed from the incoming data stream before they can cause an incident on your network. Worms are more network-based than viruses are. Worm mitigation requires diligence and coordination on the part of network security professionals. Now, the response to a worm attack, it can be broken down into four phases, containment, inoculation, quarantine, and treatment. 
containment. First one here is containment. Now this phase, it involves limiting the spread of the worm to areas of the network that are already infected. So you just, whatever is infected, let's quarantine them off, keep it there, keep that worm. This requires compartmentalization and segmentation of the network. Hopefully you're gonna slow it down or even stop the, word, the worm from spreading and to prevent currently infected hosts from targeting and infecting other systems. Containment requires using both outgoing and incoming access control lists on routers and firewalls to control points within the network. The next step here is inoculation. This phase runs parallel to or after the containment phase. During this inoculation phase, all uninfected systems are patched with the appropriate vendor patch. Hopefully your vendor has identified a problem and you're able to put that patch out there before they're infected. This inoculation process further deprives the worm of available targets on your network. Then we have quarantine. The quarantine phase involves tracking down and identifying infected machines within contained areas and disconnecting, blocking, or removing them from your network. This, isol this isolates these systems appropriately for the treatment phase. And the last step here is our treatment phase. Now, what this is, is actively disinfecting the infected systems. This can can involve terminating the worm process, removing modified files or system settings that the worm set up, or and patching the vulnerabilities the worm used to exploit the system. Alternatively, and in more secure, severe cases, the system may need to be reinstalled to ensure the worm and its products are removed. Worms are notorious, especially in the last couple years, of infecting and contaminating your, 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 your network, but then they go dormant for a period of time, be it days, weeks, or even months, you think you have everything taken care of, and then all of a sudden, bam, that worm hits again. Reconnaissance attacks are typically the precursor to other attacks that are designed to gain unauthorized access to your network or disrupt or disrupt network functionality. You can detect when a reconnaissance attack is underway, what you're gonna have, you're gonna receive notifications from pre-configured alarms. You have to pre-configure these alarms, but when they're set off, you will know that somebody is trying to do recon on your network. These alarms are triggered when certain parameters are exceeded, such as the number of ICMP requests per second, ICMP ping requests. Reconnaissance attacks can be mitigated in several ways. Here are a couple of them. First one here is implementing authentication to ensure proper access. The next one, use encryption to render packet sniffer attacks useless. Third, use anti-sniffer tools to detect packet sniffer attacks. So there's tools out there that'll say, somebody's running a sniffer attack against me, now you can you can get notified and you can shut that down. Implementing a switched infrastructure. So having switches on your networks instead of hubs. I'm hoping most of you have switches on your networks and not hubs at this point in time. And finally, using a firewall and an intrusion prevention system. Now, it is possible to mitigate port scanning. 
Using an intrusion prevention system and firewall can limit the information that can be discovered with a port scanner. Ping sweeps can be stopped if ICMP echo and echo reply are turned off on edge routers. However, when these services are turned off, network diagnostic data is typically not available. Several techniques are available for mitigating access attacks. Now, this is including strong password encryption, principle of minimum trust, cryptography, and applying operating and system patches. A surprising number of access threats are carried out through simple password guessing or brute force dictionary attacks against passwords. Now, to defend against this, create and enforce a strong authentication policy. The strong authentication policy typically has two parts to it. First one, use strong passwords. Strong passwords are at least eight characters, and some, pe some people even say 12 characters or 16 characters nowadays, and contain uppercase, lowercase, letters, numbers, and special characters. There's typically other things that come along with strong passwords, meaning it can't be can't be used for the last 24 passwords. You can't use the same password in the last X many years. You can't have repeating characters. It can't be the same as the username or parts of the username. The second thing you can do is disable accounts after a speci specified number of unsuccessful logins. So if somebody logs into their, tries to log into their account and say they had caps lock on and didn't know, notice it, and they tried to get in three or four or five times, you could set up a login or you could set up a lockout procedure. Now, what you do with that lockout procedure, there's some ways of handling it. And once again, this depends upon your company and the data it has. You could lock the account out until that user contacts you or the IT help desk. This is a manual process. It requires effort on your part to now go in and unlock it. Another approach for, dis for enabling disabled accounts is after so long, try logging in again. So they can go in after 15 minutes, after two hours, they can try logging in again with their password. Use encryption for remote access here to a network and routing protocol traffic to reduce the possibility of man-in-the-middle attacks. Education here is so important. Educate your employees about the risks of social engineering and develop strategies to validate identities over the phone, via email, or in person. Multi-factor authentication it has become increasingly common. This is a great deterrent for or a great help to mitigate access attacks. One of the first signs of a denial of service attack is a large number of user complaints about unavailable resources or unusually, unusually slow network performance. Network utilization graphs showing unusual activity could indicate your uh, denial of a service attack. To minimize the number of attacks, a network utilization software package should be running at all times. Now, historically, Many denial of service attacks were sourced from spoof addresses. A lot of routers and switches support many anti-spoofing technologies. Here's a list of some of them. Port security, DHCP snooping, IP source guard, 
ARP inspection and access control list. It was my pleasure to provide you with this wonderful episode on common network attacks. If you like this episode and you got value out of it, and depending upon the platform you're using, please click that like button, give a five-star rating, leave a comment. This all helps me bring you more great content. Please take a minute to subscribe to my channel and click that notification bell. That way you'll be alerted every time I release a new episode and there are quite a few episodes headed your way. All my socials and contact information are on my website, kevtechify.com. You can get all these episodes in video and podcast form. In the upper right is my playlist for my series on network security. In the bottom right is one of my favorite videos that I linked just for you. Thank you so much for watching this episode for my series on network security. Once again, I'm Kevin. This is Kev Techify. I'll see you next time for another great adventure.